unless a woman can shapeshift, <laughs> Richard James ain't interested. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson, Richard James, and Chris Dale. Hello, Richard. Well, uh, look at you all, shiny like a new penny. I'm not Full at all. Full of joy. And no, what? no, don't, don't lie doing. to anyone. I, I'm, I'm quite tired. Yes, you look a bit tired. Thanks very much. You flatter me. Oh, where have you been then? I've been all over the place. Well, I've, I've been across the pond. In fact, I think uh, eagle-eyed viewers mm. might have spotted in last week's podcast. Yes. That you oh. were... Uh, our roving reporter, Jamie Anderson, was actually a roving reporter. For a change, rather than being sat in my office. And well, no, I was in San Diego in California yes. for, for Comic-Con. Yes. How did it go? It went very well. It was great. Yeah. I met a lot of people who work in the industry comics and TV and film and toys yeah. who were inspired by the worlds of Anderson. Right. So it was really lovely. Made you feel good? Yeah, in fact, I met the producer of Toys That Made Us and Movies That Made Us uh, on Netflix, right. and he's a, an enormous Space 1999 fan, so that uh -huh. was lovely. So yes, I had a great time, um, Excellent. but I am freshly back after two red-eye flights and uh, Feeling a little worse for wear. Well, you've only got yourself to blame, haven't you? No, only myself, but it's fine, because luckily I've got a fantastic co-host. Uh, it is you, Richard oh, James. Me, me, me. I haven't yes. got the energy to be cruel. No. Uh, and so you're going to carry me through this. Am I? Mm. As usual. Uh, anyway, we, we've charged in like a herd of buffalo without mm. even so much as a buy your leave. I think we should introduce ourselves to our uh, viewers and listeners. Fine. I am the highly fatigued Jamie Anderson. Very good. And I'm the fresh as a daisy. Richard James. <laughs> uh, but also, yes. we're joined by our dear friend, <gasps> yes. the randomizer himself, sitting oh. over there. It's Chris Dale. Hello, Chris. Hi, Hi Chris. Ah, oh, there he is. Yeah. Also looking fresh as a daisy. Yes. Do you know what, though? He's got the best job of all of us, hasn't he? Because he gets to sit and watch some Jerry Anderson. Oh, I see. Imagine. Not like the rest of us doing some work over here. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, welcome to the Jerry Anderson podcast. We're here for the next hour and a half or so, talking all things Jerry Anderson. Yeah, but there is a structure to those things. The same structure pretty much every week. Mm. And I thought for a change, yeah. we could deliver said structure oh, no. in the style of an improvised comedy duo, alternating words. Okay, who's going to go first? First, we have the usual gubbins, which is fab facts, which is Richard's favourite thing of his life. <laughs> then, okay. after facts, we have the Jerry Anderson news because oh, news, news, news. All right. Good. Also, uh, following news, we have the Podsterons uh, who write in every week for their sins. <laughs> and <laughs> finally, we are going to be 
joined by Chris. No, Dale and his randomizer. But before that, there will be the interview with Nigel Plater. Done. Oh. God, that was so oh. tense. That was so tense. That was the most stressful thing. No, let's never do that Don't again. Don't do it again. That was oh. almost as stressful as when Charles and I were out in our car, mm. our EV, this weekend, and we got yes. down to 2% battery. Oh, there's nothing That's like battery anxiety. So tense. Uh, anyway, yeah, so all of that coming up on pod 268 <laughs> of the Jerry Anderson If podcast. anyone is still listening at this stage, yes. <laughs> I know, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, so there we go. Um, do let us know what you think. of. Uh, we've only been on video for the last four podcasts. Mm. So let us know what you think uh, by emailing us at podcast at jerryanderson.com. Uh, do you like the way we look on screen? Do you like the lighting? Do you like the way we sound on screen? The decor? Yes. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Don't be harsh. Let us know. I've seen a lot of positive comments, people saying they're very happy to see us as well as hear us, but if you want to just still hear us, then we're doing that now. Absolutely right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. There we are. Yeah. Would you like me to dive straight in with your favourite thing of your life, allegedly, now? I can't really regret saying that. Yeah? <laughs> Go on. Good. Uh, then here's this week's Fab Facts. <sighs> now, time for this week's Fab Facts. I've got my book of Fab Facts. Oh, yes. And inside yeah. are some facts, but to get to those facts, we must flick okay. very carefully with my uh, flicking thumb. Right. right here. Yes. Uh, and you're all going to shout fab at a random point, right? Because that's how this bit yeah. of the show goes. I know. I've done it before. Are you ready with your fab? Born ready. I've got my book of fab facts. Okay. So here we go. Fab! Oh, oops. Ooh. What? I just oh, sorry. That was just a little... What? Just really? A, it's just a slip of the thumb. Mm. These things happened. Do so. that, uh, Richard. Yes? In your professional experience, oh, yeah. how true is the old theatrical saying... Never work with Jamie Anderson. No, sorry. Yes, never work true. with children or animals. Or just never work in my professional experience. <laughs> oh. Children or animals? Oh, that's what they say, isn't it? Yes. You had any bad experiences with uh, either? Both? Not that I'm willing to talk about on camera. Good. Okay, well, let's move on then, because today's Fab Fact looks at filming the Space 1999 episode, The Metamorph. I know it well. And a certain four-legged guest star. Who could that be? Well, uh, it was the lion that Maya transformed into several times <laughs> during the episode. Right. Or should we say say lions. Should we say that? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yes. well, I don't uh, know. Because, as is not uncommon for television and film productions, several different animals played the role of Lioness Maya. Okay. However, right. each one presented its own problems. Contracts, agents, Winnebago's. Uh, but as well as those, hmm. the first lion was very quickly ushered off the set because he was somewhat uncontrollable. Is that a euphemism? Maybe. Right. The second lion may have been slightly better behaved, but unfortunately, he had toothache. Oh, so I had to cry off. A yes. lion with toothache. Very sad. Uh, but if you'll forgive us for making this sound a bit like the story of Goldilocks, the third lion was... Just right. Just right. Well done, <laughs> yes. Uh, in fact, he was slightly more than uh, all right. He was quite keen to make friends. Right. This culminated in a moment during shooting where the lion got up wandered over to the stills photographer and put his paws up on the man's shoulders. Wow. Uh, fortunately, events did not spiral out of hand, but it shows uh, that they very easily could have done had the lion decided that the stills photographer would have made a good snack. Oh, I thought he said, like, give us a kiss. I thought it was that sort of thing. <laughs> it wasn't that sort no, of friendly. It was, it was no, after no. a bit of lunch, I see. Uh, well, 
no, 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 sorry. Uh, Dad himself also had an encounter with one of these lions. <laughs> right. His accounts of the meeting vary, but in his biography, What Made Thunderbirds Go, mm. he says that he opened his office door and the lion just happened to be right outside. Really? However, in the Making of Space 1999 book, he says that he met the lion while waiting in the lobby at Pinewood when it was being looked after by a technician who had just taken delivery of it. More likely, I would say, yes. Uh, but who swore that the lion was totally safe because that's what the guy who dropped it off five minutes before had said. Oh, yeah. I was totally safe, mate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a lion and everything. It's one of the safest lions you'll ever meet. Oh, safe lions. You ain't seen nothing like this one. <laughs> well, if you look uh, at the picture gallery for the Metamorph on the Blu-rays, yes. there's also a picture of a smaller cat, possibly an ocelot. Right. Or a <laughs> caracal, carousel. Uh, carousel. Carousel. Caramac. Caramac, yeah, one of those, <laughs> lounging on one of Mentor's control consoles. Oh, so either that was an additional Maya transformation that wasn't used in the final episode, or they tried to some uh, tried at some stage to go with a slightly smaller one that was perhaps more manageable. Right. Regardless of what stage of production the smaller cat was hired at, or where exactly Dad met his line, he was so concerned that he contacted circus owner Jimmy Chipperfield <laughs> and asked how safe all this really was, only to be told there's no such thing as a tame cat. Yeah, well, I, uh, what? I, I've, I've lost track. I don't know what's going on now. Well, that, n nor me. <laughs> Let's carry on. Accordingly, uh, Dad then drew up a list of seven safety precautions that were to be followed seven. at all times whenever an animal was on set Please in order them. to protect both human performers and animal performers. And they were? I don't have the list. Oh. But it was uh, to protect them from harm. Uh, and this memo was circulated to all departments uh, and it was dated the 13th of February 1976 and was simply named... Animals. Animals. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these rules were fairly obvious, like <gasps> have as few people on set as possible when animals are around. Sure. Have a suitable cage on standby at all times. Sure. Same for Martin Landau. Yeah. I was going to say, same for the podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, and, oh, yes, uh, don't bring them into the studio via the front door. Have them wait in the lobby. <laughs> what? Why can't you bring them in through the front door? I don't know. Uh, it just goes to show that uh, even in the mid-1970s, safety precautions were not quite as thought through perhaps as they are today and even though some viewers might wail about health and safety gone mad it's probably just better off really that these things are done the way they are now rather than risking the staff of Pinewood Studios being eaten by rampaging lions. Now Jamie <laughs> I think that even you lost confidence halfway through I, that very long fat fact. It was very long <laughs> and very liony. Yeah, is there an exhaustive list somewhere of the creatures and things that Maya turns into during the second series of Space 1999? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure there is one. It, it, I, I, yes, did, did perhaps she ever, there should be. Did she ever change into an inanimate object, or was it always a, a, an animal or creature of some sort? Do you know what? I don't even know. Let us find out. But sadly, Chris Dale has just popped off to the loo, so we I can't even ask know. him over on the sofa we there. We can't even ask Chris. Uh, I'll tell you who we could ask. Podstorms. And there they are. Email us, podcast at jerryanderson.com. Put in the subject line, Maya. Brilliant. Thanks. That you know, I just, I just plucked that out of the air. That's yeah. genius, isn't it? That's serious genius <laughs> Because right I there. bet one of you, uh, if they haven't done it already, will now take the opportunity to watch Series 2 of Space 1999 and write down, especially for me, everything that Maya turns into, and I shall read it out in a future podcast. Well... I can't wait for that. And I hope you'll do an impression of each of the animals or creatures I, too. I will try my best. Good. Something to look forward to there. Yes. Right, I think that was very odd. It was. Quite um, feline. F feline good. Yeah, yeah, I thought. Oh. Yeah. And that brings us 
very clunkily, yeah. to the end of this week's Lion Fact. Fact. Oh, that's the first time in a long time. Oh, there weren't many options there, though, <laughs> no, were there, there was quite narrow, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true. Uh, an interesting one. Maya was one of my favourite um, characters from the whole of Space 1990. Why was that, Richard James? There was something lovely exotic about her, mm-hmm. I suppose. And, of course, the whole shape-shifting thing is very attractive. Is it? I don't mean attractive as in, <laughs> I mean, to oneself. <laughs> I don't mean I found her attractive because she could turn into other things. Uh, I just mean that, that was a, a power that I would wish to have. Unless a woman can shape-shift, Richard James ain't interested. <laughs> uh, you're listening, of course, to the Jerry Anderson podcast. <laughs> don't forget, you can still subscribe to us. Just because we've gone to video doesn't mean to say you can't subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to us on, or even on YouTube. It means you can subscribe on multiple platforms. That's right, exactly. For multiple mediums. Yeah, quite right too. Uh, also, uh, don't be afraid to leave us some reviews and some uh, ratings, or revatings as we like to call them. And let us know how we're doing. And why not, every week, just copy that link and post it to all your social media profiles so all your friends know that you, yes, you, are listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast. Yeah, just spam your friends. They'll love you forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So now they know what to do, I think it's probably time for some very exciting Jerry Anderson news. Can't guarantee it's exciting, but uh, yes, over to me in the studio for this week's Jerry Anderson news. Hello Podstrons, this is Jamie Anderson bringing you the latest updates from Anderson Entertainment. There's plenty to share, so let's get right to it. First up, the original soundtrack CD for Jerry Anderson A Life Uncharted is now available for exclusive pre-order from the Jerry Anderson store. Composed by Crispin Morell and featuring specially selected introductions to each track from Dad himself, this emotive soundtrack is sure to enrich your understanding of his life and his career too. Look out for its release in mid-August. Our new range of mini-album-style releases are now shipping. You can get your hands on Stingray Terrafake, Fireball XL5 Cloud of a Billion Lights, and Captain Scarlet Martian Menace, all available in stylish retro card sleeves. Just as a reminder, time is running out to back the second issue of Spectrum on Kickstarter, a comic featuring new stories from New Captain Scarlet, Terrorhawks, and Space Precinct. But hurry, the campaign closes tomorrow, Tuesday the 1st of August at 10pm, so don't miss out. In other news, our warehouse move has finally wrapped up, and we've uncovered some products that were previously believed to be out of stock. Keep an eye out for a warehouse finds email coming this Wednesday to your inbox. Over on our YouTube channel, you might have missed a couple of interesting videos. The Making of Space Patrol features Roberta Lee and Arthur Provis and celebrates our upcoming release of this non-Anderson puppet classic on Blu-ray. Additionally, Ed Bishop shares his opinions on where UFO went wrong. It's a divisive topic, but do you agree or disagree with Commander Straker's own views on the show? Looking ahead to August, there's a lot to be excited about. Space Patrol will be landing on Blu-ray. Jerry Anderson and Life Uncharted will be releasing on CD. The long-awaited Joe 90 technical manual begins shipping and we'll be revealing some secrets of an underappreciated Anderson gem. Stay tuned for these and more updates next week. But for now, and for all of us at Anderson Entertainment, I've been Jamie Anderson, wishing you a week filled with adventure. Stand by for action. Back to you in the studio. That was the news. That was the news. Yeah, by popular demand. Beautiful. By very popular demand. Mostly from me. I have been inundated with you. (laughs) saying last time that I should sing that. Yes. Well, I'm, it. I'm very glad to hear it again. Now, some other things that you might be glad to hear about, or rather from, are our wonderful Podstrons. I'm always glad to hear from a Podstron. Shall we um, open the fridge door and let the cold air out? Or in. Oh, yeah.
This is the voice of the Podstorons. Yes, it's the voice of the wonderful Podstorons, our lovely listeners and viewers. There they are, who've been emailing us in their droves. At podcast at jerryhanson.com. Very good. Uh, now, do you remember when Lee Sullivan was with us? Oh, yeah. I think I do. It was quite recently. It was fairly yeah. recently. And uh, you posed the question, why did you call Lee Uncle Rubbish? Yes. Well, well he told me to. That's why. Oh, okay. I see why. Uh, never had an original thought in your life, have you? <laughs> no. uh, Jeff Webb has got in touch. Lee is referring to a character from the Grumbleweeds radio show. Ah. He was played by the late Graham Walker and was a rather sad chap in the show, peddling misremembered nostalgia. <laughs> a bit like the Jerry Anderson podcast. <laughs> Uh, in the show, he fronted the Tiny Tots Tea Time Time Time. I think there's three times there. Yeah. Mm. His nemesis was another character called Uncle Nasty. Ooh. That could be me. Yeah, it could be, could yeah. Who would go ahead and terrify Uncle Rubbish every week. It was alleged that the good uncle was based on the TV presenter Derek Beatty, but don't quote me in court. Regards, Jeff Webb, who seems to insinuate that there's going to be some sort of court case against him. For even suggesting that. I wonder what he's been up to. With Derek Beatty. Naughty yeah. Jeff. Very strange. So there we go, that's that cleared up. Yes, thank you very much. Uncle Rubbish. Because even Gumbleweed. Lee couldn't remember why he'd called himself Uncle Rubbish and told me to call him that. There you go. Good. Uh, well, I've got one here. Oh, good. Uh, from uh, Bucky749. Oh, of right. the 749 dynasty, as you <laughs> I know. I see. Is that the Norfolk uh, 479? It, it is, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, you probably met them. Uh, I, Bucky749 says, I hope this email reaches you as I tried once before but it did not go through. Uh, Bucky749, here we are talking to you. Here it is. And at you and about you. Uh, my YouTube channel is Bucky749. <sighs> See what you did there. Uh, my nickname is, is American Samurai. Okay. I, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> um, I started with Terror Hawks audio dramas and then everything took off from there. <sighs> Tell me uh, about it. My brother, uh, who you may call by his nickname Iceman, <laughs> This family is very cool. American <laughs> Samurai and Iceman uh, is a big Thunderbirds and Space Precinct fan. Ah, oh, well. Uh, also, we've done several Jerry Anson related reviews on, on our YouTube channel, Bucky749. Great. Have a great time. <gasps> FAB, yours truly, Bucky749. Fantastic. Thanks for getting in touch. I like that. Thank People you. People reviewing Jerry Anderson stuff on YouTube is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Because, you know, it's all out there. Let's hear what you think. Please do it. Yeah. yeah. Like that. Uh, Hail the high priests of the gubbins. May you bless us with clammy ears, <laughs> says James Munro. Just the one. <laughs> just the one clammy ear. Um, just been doing some catch-ups with the podcast, says James. I hope everyone had a fantastic time in Leicester. Well, we did, actually, as it happens. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go, but it was nice to hear the call-out to those who couldn't make it in the live podcast. Yeah, we did that. Oh, that was one of our lovely positrons who suggested we do that. Oh, there we are. Uh, instead, I re-watched the standby for action concert. Well, great choice. I mean, that sounds like a much better evening, to be fair. Um, <laughs> bringing back memories of that great weekend, but it also started a train of thought. Uh-oh. At the end of the concert, the UFI title theme was given an encore, but the singers added a funky dooby-doo to the mix. Did they? It got me wondering about other and themes that would go well with some added choral parts. Also, in brackets, says James, weren't we promised a space precinct choral version? Where is it? I don't think he wrote it quite like that. Well, that's how I'm saying it. Yeah. That's how I imagine he would say it. Okay. Accusatory. Weren't we promised that? I don't remember that, but maybe, uh, yes. Okay, thinking about these possibilities, a few did spring to mind, like Space 1999 Year One as a cool version. That would work. Or the end titles of Joe 90. Incidentally, my phone loves Joe 90, says James. Whenever really? I play the concert soundtrack on shuffle, it always plays the four Joe 90 tracks within the first third. 
Oh, spooky. But the music I'd like to hear with a choral part more than any isn't a main theme, but an incidental track from New Captain Scarlet. This is very niche, 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 isn't it? That's what we're here for. The track is All in Vain, the theme for the pirate captain in the episode Fallen Angels. But the part I always associate with it is the episode Touch of the Reaper in what is my favourite scene from the show. It plays as the mysterionized Dr. King, infected by a mysterionized virus, is slowly reaching through the sky base's holding cell force field towards Scarlet and White, followed by one of the few direct Mistron threats in the series. The music already feels like it should have a choral element, and in this scene, with Dr. King's eyes glowing with Mistron energy, a choir voice could be... Uh, could have been the voice of the Mysterons. Anyway, that's enough mad ramblings for now. His words, not mine. I'm not passing any judgment. Uh, good luck with a new format, though by the time I send this, you'll probably have done at least one. Or four. Ah. Uh, wishing all the best, James Munro Pierce. I managed to get through a whole email without mentioning audio dramas. Oh, oh blast, blew it. So close, James. Wow, he did go quite deep there into the, the need for cor- more choral music in, yeah. in certain scenes of New Captain Scarlet. Well, and, and other choral versions. Well, if you recall from our interview with Joe Kramer. Oh, yes. Uh, several tens of pods ago, I yes, can't remember the number. Years ago. Uh, Joe explained that he'd been experimenting quite a lot with synth syllables of choral work. Oh, yes. So you know they'll, they'll record each syllable and then you can piece together bits and pieces. Right. So it's becoming more more affordable and more accessible. Wow. So, I mean, never say never. I, I don't remember saying ever to a Space Precinct choral version, but, you know, that well, could be the jet lag talking. Yeah, someone will have the voice clip somewhere and it'll oh, be dear. played back to you at a future event. Okay. <clears throat> and you will eat your words. Yes, I, I'm happy to do that. Uh, do you want one from me? Have you got one? I've got one. Well, let's hear it then. Uh, Martin Laybourne writes... Ah, yes. Hello, chaps. Hello, Martin. As I was looking forward to uh, seeing Jamie's appearance on Talking Pictures TV, The Footage Detectives, which mm-hmm. I was on a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. I tuned in early. Not The Foolish Detectives, was that? The Footage oh, Detectives, thank you. Yeah. I tuned in early and watched the 1953 war film... Appointment in London. Oh. Do you know that one? I don't. Well, uh, Martin does now. Is it about uh, an appointment in London? Uh, yeah, that's the one. I've you seen have seen it, seen it yeah. yeah. Uh, Martin continues, like I always do, I read the credits at the end to see if there could be a link to the worlds of Jerry Anderson. Maybe a young actor starting out, perhaps later appearing in an Anderson live action show? Yeah. Well, would you believe it, there was a link. Oh, was it Shane Rimmer? It's always Shane Rimmer. The great man himself, uh-huh. none other... Than a Mr. Gerald Anderson. Really? Dubbing editor. Oh. Yes. One of his credits, I believe. Yes. There you go. Wow. Now, Martin has written this. I'm not making it up. Right. Just so you know. Why? What's coming? Jamie, your performance was excellent. Oh. Uh, so there's no need to worry on how you perform on your visual podcast. Oh. This one. <laughs> Were you uh, worried? Well, I am now, <laughs> uh, which I imagine uh, you will have a couple under your belt by the time Richard reads this out. Well, I'm reading it out, Martin, just to yes. throw, throw things uh, uh, yes. for a thing there. Uh, right. For a, Through a thing? Over a thing? Through a hoop? Let's just carry on. Okay. Uh, if I've chosen the right day, I hope to see you at the Talking Pictures TV event in Monmouth. All the best, Martin. Now, Martin, ah. of course, you didn't see me there because I had to go to Comic-Con instead. So you were oh. in Monmouth and I was in San Diego. Oh, how Sorry. could you do that? I didn't do it on Letting purpose. people down like that. <laughs> I felt oh. bad enough already without you saying that. <laughs> yeah. uh. Great, nice. Talking pitch. So, what, what, what did you do? What was the footage, detectives? What were you talking what about? You mean, have you not watched it? No, I can't get it. You can't get talking no, pictures. No, because we're in a valley and our aerial isn't tall enough and we can't get talking pictures. You know, there's a catch up service called Talking Pictures TV Encore. Yeah, but that would be on my iPad or something, wouldn't it? Well, you can get it. Anyway, it, it's, it's uh, where well, they, they'll look into 
found footage, which could be old mm. home video stuff from the 50s, 60s, mm -hmm. before or after, mm. uh, interesting bits of documentary, etc. Mm. And, and our footage detectives piece was about Fireball XL5 and oh. some, some of that brilliant interview stuff with Dad. Oh, lovely. Um, it was a very jolly time. I sat between Mike and Noel on the yeah. biscuits. Yeah, great. <laughs> they, they have biscuits between them. And, oh, I see. And if you sit in the middle, then people say that you've sat on the biscuits. You sat on the biscuits. Mm. You had to be there, obviously. I didn't sit on the biscuits. Uh, talking of uh, Talking Pictures TV, aren't you looking forward to seeing Thunderbirds? I know, scoring? I can't believe it. That is brilliant. So if you don't know Postron's already, Talking Talking Pictures Television mm -hmm. are going to be showing Thunderbirds from the 30th of September, which is mm -hmm. Thunderbirds Day. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And it's the first time it's been broadcast on British television for 15 years. Is it? Yeah. And, and we had basically been told it was never going to get a broadcast again. Yeah. So to have one yeah. on free-to-air television, yes. which Richard can't get, <laughs> yes. is amazing. Yeah. I so just I'm, need to, I'm I very need excited. To, I need to move and then I'll be all right. Yeah, just move house. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's no problem. Uh, all for now, keep them coming in. I mean, shall I say the address again? I should imagine they know it by now. Podcast at jerryanderson.com. Well done. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll read out your emails next time. Uh, we said we wouldn't do that again. Uh, well, it's quite fun, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, coming up a little later on, of course, we have the randomizer from Chris Dale, whereby he sits down in front of the wonderful randomizer. It's an actual machine. Who knew it is. that? Can I? Can I? Oh, I, I won't get it. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll break everything. It's too heavy. It is lovely, it's though. It's very heavy. Mm. Um, but <laughs> before the randomizer, it's time to welcome another guest. But this time he's not even on Jeff Tracy's sofa. Why not? I'm mixing things up a bit, Jamie. We're oh. reserving Jeff Tracy's sofa for the randomizer. Okay. Which means that I am shortly to be sitting around this very table. Oh. With a TV and film legend. Gosh. Ready? Yeah. He's been part of our cultural landscape since the 1980s with his work with the Comic Strip Presents and The Young Ones. Since then, he's made countless TV and film appearances, written books, audio dramas and music, as well as a recent podcast reacquainting us with his actor alter ego, Nicholas Craig. But does he know his supercar from his Scarlet? It's Nigel Planer! Uh, now, Nigel, last time we met, you were wearing a big walrus moustache. Well, I, I was sporting uh, yes. a, a walrus moustache. It was real. I wasn't, it wasn't it. a stick-on. That's right. I spent weeks growing it. <laughs> it was very effective. It was right out to there. It was lovely. Big old yeah. handlebar. I uh, enjoyed having it. Was... My wife didn't enjoy having, <laughs> having me with a big moustache, but yeah. I did. And I was dressed as a nurse. You were a nurse, so among wonder. other roles, weren't you? Were you not? I was, yes, I was the grave digger. And, uh, grave and, uh, digger, that was This it, yeah. was a production of Grandpa's Great Escape. That's right. David in in uh, Stadia, mm. like in Wembley. Mm. And yeah. Places like Glasgow, that. Glasgow, Newcastle. Story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, so, well, welcome to Slough. Just a pleasure to what be here. What can I say? Here. You're welcome Slough. to it. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, uh, did you notice Station Jim on your way here? Station Jim? What's yeah. that? Station Jim is a dog at the, uh, at, the, at the railway station who, in the late 1800s, would um, cruise around the platforms with a collection box around his neck, collecting, collecting money for charity. And he's since been stuffed and preserved in a case on Platform 5. No, so, I didn't notice that. Have a look on your way home. Platform 5? That's it. <laughs> station Jim. No, uh, I didn't. I right. Didn't. There. Every day's a school day. Uh, now, uh, Nigel, um, actor, author, playwright... Musician, I could go on. How how do you see yourself? Um, I try not to look, really. <laughs> I, I just try and keep interested in things. I think it's really important to stay interested in things. Yeah. And I seem to have done an awful lot of things 
probably not. You know, people who concentrate on one thing tend to get really, really good at it, don't they? Uh-huh. And I, if, if there's anything wrong with my approach, it's that it, you're never really the expert in anything. But it sustained a very eclectic career from the outside, at least. It looks that way. Yes, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I've, I've got sort of quick ability to pick up the early stages of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, You're canny. I'm canny like that, but I got a like like with languages. I'm quite good at picking up the the, the, the early stages, mm-hmm. but to get really fluent in a language, I'm learning. I, I, I try and learn like at the moment. I'm learning Spanish, but I've learned other languages in right. the past. Yeah. And the first year, I feel hey, I'm good at this uh, because I get an accent and I can I'm fluent. But then to actually know the grammar and really do the study. Mm. I kind of... I, 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 so that's when you move on to another language? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, uh, well, let's start bang up to date. You're here with us in July. I think we're only about three or four weeks after the launch of your latest book. Yes. Which we have here, Jeremiah Born in Time uh, by Nigel Plano. Tell us a little bit about this. It's um, it's a sort of comedy, sci-fi, uh, historical, futuristic I'm not very good at the genres of uh-huh. stuff, so I just shoved in as many genres as, as I could. Yeah. Um, it, it's time travel. Um, it's set in the same place because it's time but not space. Uh-huh. So it's like if, if if we were here, we're on the ninth floor. So if, if we went back 100 years, we would plummet uh-huh. to our deaths <laughs> yes. because this building wasn't here. Wouldn't make much of a book, would it? I don't think. No, no, not that. Yeah. But um, it's set in the same Area of London near where I live, uh, Southeast London, Blackfriars and and SE1, um, and Jeremiah finds he has the ability. He can't understand it to go back a hundred years. He goes back to 1910, in the same house, and then we also have scenes in a hundred years' time, 2123, oh. um, in that same house, and. Um, there is a link. There's a reason behind it all. Yeah, he, sure. he which he has to find. I see. Um, the future is, is quite fun. I enjoyed writing the future bits. Ah, interesting. Because um, I imagined a, 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 a time when there was a digital meltdown, and it all starts with a man called Jeffrey Pritchard, uh-huh. who goes into a pub in Bermondsey to try and order. This is in maybe twenty years' time. Yeah. To order a beer. Yeah. So he gets out his mobile device and goes through the usual security settings, credit check, uh, do I want cookies, menu choices, yeah. uh, ID yes. check, to, you know, and, and eventually gets to click a pint of beer, please, yes. And Jeffrey Pitt, Pritchard's uh, final click is the final click Oh, when the entire data of the human race disappears. <laughs> he He tips... He tips us into oblivion. Oh, okay. With this one thing. There's just too much data, and uh, we lose all our data. So I imagined a future where <clears throat> we've lost all data. Wow. <clears throat> Which is great fun to imagine because yes. memory becomes important again. Uh-huh. Jeremiah Bourne's mum is a London taxi driver who have super memories because yes. they've done the knowledge mm-hmm. and they have a massive memory. <clears throat> and the the 
device of inherited memory becomes the mode of time travel. I see. Right. Like, um, I don't know if did you see that thing on Twitter uh, recently? The beaver. Uh, no, I did so not. There was a little beaver that had been brought up, saved, didn't go to its nest, never met another beaver, never saw a river, yeah. had been brought up in a flat. Yeah. And the first thing it did when it could walk was build a dam. Yeah, and it right. knew how to build <laughs> yeah. a dam, yeah. um, which is something called morphic resonance. It uh -huh. could be called morphic resonance, like an inherited memory. And I started, I was fascinated by that idea. And perhaps we remember more than we're aware of. Ah, well, it's interesting you should say that. So we've spoken about memory, and we've also spoken about ideas of the future. Yeah. So, Nigel Plainer, we're going to play a little game with you just right. to test your Anderson credentials. We're going to play you very brief clips of the opening titles of pretty much all of Jerry Anderson's TV series. Uh, right. And I want you to tell me, shout out when you know, which of these you remember. How quick are the clips, though? You'll see. Right, Pretty okay. quick. Twizzle. Oh, no. well done. Good start. Fireball Expel. No, no. Four Feather Four. Yes, very good. Okay. Supercar. Nice. It's all coming back. It is. Stand by no. For action. Oh, this is. Hmm? Too late. That's Thunderbirds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Stingray would have been in the water. It. Yeah, yeah. Very quick one there. Did you miss that? I missed that. No, that you lost me. With oh, that one. well, we're going live action now. Yeah. Oh my goodness, um, Napoleon Solo. That was <laughs> close. <laughs> um, this is an emergency. <laughs> Crikey, you lost me there with that one. <laughs> and that. We're almost there now. We're coming up to the wow. 1990s. Right. Lisa Legend, fabled right. It's probably beyond your time now. Yes, I mean I was. Yeah. The 60s. Yeah. I would have been watching all this. There stuff. we go. Uh, well, well Isn't that done. funny, the Very later good. stuff yes. was sort of beyond me. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, well done, Nigel. Now, I think you've got six there, which isn't bad. Right. Uh, so, I'm going to just write your score here on this rather fetching little uh, oh, image of you. Me as a Thunderbird. Exactly. Player. Just what you always wanted. Yeah, I'll just place you there for the rest of the interview. Why the not? thing that surprised me there was Twizzle, right? Because that has, that that word has not come out of my mouth. Isn't it funny? For about yes, yeah. sixty years, and um, I saw the picture, and it went, "Oh, Twizzle!" Right? Yeah. I mean, I hadn't even yeah. thought of that. So, so that's something way back into your. Yeah, childhood. Absolutely. Very often we find uh, with our guests that it's the music that trips that memory. Oh, but you're saying quite yeah. specifically that it was the I was the able image. to sing one of them. Yeah, one of them, but I didn't know what the series was. Yeah, great. So well, now, which of those series do you actually kind of actively remember? Well, obviously, seeing? Thunderbirds, yeah. Supercar, yeah. Stingray, yeah. Four Feather Falls, oh, right? Um, Twizzle. Yeah. Bizarrely. Yes. <laughs> do you remember anything more than that opening sequence? though? do you remember anything of the premise? Didn't he have a twisty 
<laughs> neck. That's right. Was he the one with the long arm? That's it, yeah. yes. It's yes. quite nightmarish, isn't it? Yes, it was quite sort of yeah. gruesome. You wouldn't make it now. No. <laughs> Twizzle. Didn't it go like that? Something like that. <laughs> Sometimes the little the little catchphrase tunes or the jingles yeah. are, are it's terrifying, yeah. isn't it, what goes on in your mind? And stays there for life, yeah. that's yeah. right. Uh, okay, great. So now let's move on then to your, and you touched right there, your first Anderson memory. So let's take a look at what young Nigel Planer was watching back in 1960, I think. Let's have a look at this. Ooh. Oh. oh, my gosh. <laughs> we come a pretty long way. Honey, we ain't seen no sign of Harkenbanker yet. Maybe we missed him. Ain't possible. Tex, old chap. I hate to mention this, but have you noticed the sign, Bert? Hey, here. It's been moved. You're darn right, Rocky. And look, there's been a buggy passed here. You can see the tracks. Come on, fellas. There we go. Very, very yeah. quick clip from uh, Four, Four Feather Falls. Feather Falls. Yeah. Uh, so. We had a very short email uh, exchange about this, and there was something rather specific that you remembered about Tex Tucker in particular. Tex Tucker, <laughs> at one point, uh, you obviously haven't found that, yeah. but, but uh, he said, you know, shall we go down that road? And he said, no, we daren't. <laughs> and that made us laugh because we daren't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Two syllables. Yeah. And it, it turned into like a catchphrase with me and my younger brother. Right. Shall yes. we go there? No, we daren't. Nice. We daren't go. It's very sweet because, of course, now Nicholas Parsons uh, was Tex Tucker. I don't know if you know that. No, yes, really? Was he? Was, yes. Wow. Uh, and uh, just recently, we uncovered uh, an unproduced script for Four Feather Falls that was written by Nicholas Parsons himself. It was never produced, uh, but we had a, a, a sort of something of a performance at a, a, a convention in Leicester a couple of weeks ago. And uh, within that, We've also read out the stage directions, of course, and there was a similar phrase which really struck me as being quite charming and old-fashioned. He spoke about um, uh, the, the dog, uh, and it said he barks uh, as much as to say, thank you very much. <laughs> as much as to yeah, say. Yeah, just that phrase seemed yeah, really yeah, quite charming. Lovely. So it's lovely. interesting you picked up something there from yeah, the dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is there anything specifically that you remember about that show? Any of the other characters or so on? We well, saw there Dusty the dog and... Uh, Rocky the horse in that um, uh, title sequence. Yeah. He talks all posh in English. Yeah. And, and he did just then. And... and uh, cut back to text, he says, he's a thoroughbred. <laughs> so it's a, it's a joke. Yeah, there you go. And uh, yes, I love the sort of, yeah, the butler character, isn't it? It's like mm. the English butler that yeah. all American shows have. You've got to have this, mm -hmm. the English butler. So the, right. the horse, I remember, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, cowboys and Indians, as we used to call them, or westerns, yeah. uh, they were a, a mainstay of, of popular entertainment in the well, sort of 40s, 50s and 60s, both at cinema and then on television. But mm. what was uh, what was young Nigel interested in at around that time? Knights in Armour. Oh, really? Yeah. Aha. Uh -huh. Is that something that stays with you as well? Plastic uh, sword fights, <laughs> uh, which I usually won against my younger brother um, because he didn't stand a chance. Yeah. Um, it's terrible what I made him go through. Yes. Um, and, yeah, plastic helmets, um, Tambour. It sort of stuck with me. Ah. Uh, the 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 uh, hi interest in hi history. Yeah, medieval medieval history at that age. But yeah, yeah. Knights and Armour. And you sort of hit television as a viewer at just the right time. I think by 1964, 
Uh, 90% of uh, UK families had a television. So they were pretty ubiquitous. By I can remember the, the first telly being right. called in. You know, I was playing in the garden. Yeah. We've got a telly. Right. So come, come running in. It was a bush uh -huh. um, with the Bakelite knobs. Yeah. I don't know what year that would have been. I would have been under eight because we moved house. Okay. So it would have been hmm. uh, 53, 60... I was born in 53, so mm -hmm. it would have been 60, 61, 62. Yeah, so around about the time that you would have been watching yeah, Fort yeah. the Falls, I guess. Can you remember what else you were watching on this new television set? I can remember hiding behind the sofa. There was something <laughs> called the Red Grass, Ooh. which was a sort of thriller horrible about a kind of grass that would take over and grab you. Yeah. <laughs> right. People would... would get infected by the virus of this red grass and my elder brother was allowed to watch it and I wasn't meant to watch it and I snuck in while my mum was uh, cooking supper I think and, yeah. and thought well I'm going to watch this thing and it scared the jeepers out of me <laughs> oh, and, and it gave me nightmares for ages right. this idea that this red grass would sting you and then get in you and, yeah. and uh, infect you There's something about a young mind that's so impressionable. Yeah. Because I can't imagine you know, or think of anything that I've experienced in the last 20 years that would stay with me for the rest of my life as much as something I saw 50 years ago has stayed with me. That's right. Ago. That's right. It stays with you kind of whether you like it or not in a way. Yeah. And That's right. And, and of course, at this time, uh, the world was getting excited about the space race. Uh, yeah. Landing on the moon was a mere sort of nine years away from Four Feather Falls. And of course, Jerry Anderson then excelled in his visions of the future, the likes of Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet and so on. So how aware of you, I guess you would be in your teens now, of, of the space race? Well, saw the moon landing. Oh. I remember watching that on telly. That's oh. like a family event. Yes. You can sit and watch that. Yeah. Um, and they're... Yeah, walking like puppets on the moon. Yeah, walking like puppets on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> um I can remember that, yes. Yeah, and uh, but we were scared as well of the of the of the Cold War as well at the time. I mean, do remember that? Yeah. Everyone's talking about uh, building bunkers mm -hmm. and d nuclear devastation. Yes, uh, when I was a teenager and early teenagers, the, and the whole thing seemed to be, you know, the space race was between Russia and America. Yeah, Yuri Gagarin, the first one up there. Remember that as well. Yeah, and. Um, there's a there's a great album by Donald Fagan from Steely Dan called Nightfly, which is all set in that in his his mem remembered childhood right. in America. Yeah, and there's lots of songs. He he's writing with maturity, but he's writing as if he can. He he's put himself back into those years. Yeah, it's really. It's quite cynical and funny, yeah, but yeah. it's brilliant, brilliant songs. Interesting you mentioned the Cold War there and sort of the fear of, of the other, because I think that was sort of began to be expressed also in Jerry Anderson's work when we get to the likes of Captain Scarlet, who's standing behind you, and Captain Black and the Mysterons, this existential threat to the human race. is yes, kind of a, a, yeah. an expression or manifestation of, of exactly, I think, what you've described there. That's right, yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, now, you went to school, I read, with Stephen Polyakov, is that right? The the playwright yeah. and, and director. Yes, I did. We we um, it was great to. He was already there when I got there, and uh -huh. it was great to find someone who had my interests, same interests as me. Sure. 
And do, so looking back, do you get an impression that there were certain people that you met along the way that were kind of linchpins in your career or in the way your life then developed? Yes, because you, you know, it must be the same for anybody. If you've got an interest in something, mm. you immediately latch onto the person who's, uh, especially because we didn't have internet. So if you were into a certain type of music, yeah. um, you know, if you read about the early days of the Rolling Stones or whatever, that yeah. it was really important to meet someone who said, well, I've heard of a blues album yeah. that you know. And, and so meeting someone who was into uh, a, a theatre and who knew the same stuff that, uh -huh. that I knew, yes. very, very important. Yes. Because that's how you would find out. I was thinking about this recently. How did we find out? I bought things <laughs> when they first came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did I know? Yeah, fanzines, magazines, I don't know. Was it, it or was it? Posters? I figured it was little things outside the record shop, little, yeah, or outside the bookshop, flyers, yeah. and flyers that were distributing. Right. But how did we find stuff out yeah. before the internet? That's right. But we did. We did, yeah, yeah, that's true. And also, why did we, we used to have to wait for so long to get things? I remember having to go to yeah. order records. Yes. And now you hear a record, and you press a button, and it's yeah, on your phone. I say you hear a record, of course, that's dating me. Uh, so what was in store for young Nigel Planer at that point? Did you have any plans? Did your family have hopes or expectations for you? Ah, uh, well, yes, those are two different things. Right, <laughs> What yes. the family thought and yeah. what I thought. Okay. Um, yes, I was pretty much into doing what I do now from a, a pretty much early age, which yeah. is acting, doing, trying to be funny. Yeah. And... Uh, writing when I was at school we did a they they wouldn't let us into the um, school plays and the and the school magazine we'd we'd make our own satirical magazine um, and we we um, we made our own plays we Polly uh -huh. and I we wrote yeah. plays we put them on we acted with direct you know yeah. we were I was sort of doing alternative comedy as yeah. it were right from an early age joined the local amateur dramatics and we mm -hmm. did a we set up a theater workshop for younger people mm -hmm. so we were doing angelico's sport of my mad mother okay which is pretty um was something that had been on at the royal court it was it was quite radical and yeah. sort of like a punk play before its time yeah um and we put that on at the local Amateur Dramatic Society, the the, the young people. So, Great. Uh, not much, not much has changed really from about the age of eight. Sure, sure. You were set in stone at uh, quite a young. Yeah, age. I'm lucky like that. I think because if you, you know, if you if you're young and you just think that's that's what I do, that's what yeah. I want to do. Yeah. That that's that's quite lucky. Yeah. To know what you're. Yeah what will do the trick for you. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people uh, don't have that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the joys of uh, doing our interviews for these uh, video podcasts is that we actually have the opportunity for our listeners and viewers to send in questions for our guests. So I would like to ask you, Nigel Planer, right. to uh, dive into this rather lovely Space 1999 Lunchbox. Right. Will they all be uh, uh, testing my knowledge of the Thunderbirds <laughs> not all series, them. which may not be as sort of <laughs> comprehensive as it should be? Well, let's find out. Pop your hand in there and uh, take a question from one of our viewers. Mm. And the winner is... 
Um, oh, blimey, right. Yeah. Um, which series would you like to write an episode for? It's from Matthew Mayhew. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which series would you like to write an episode for? In fact, I did write an episode for this series and they didn't want it. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So. Is there an NDA on this information? Um, or are you no, no, to? no. It was Doctor Who. Was it? I, 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 I um, wrote, before I'd written Jeremiah Bourne Time Travel, I, I, um, I did a Doctor Who show, again, like in, a, in, in Stadia, like yes. we did at Wembley. Yes, yes. I played Borgensen, yeah. the, um, uh, the son of Borgen. Of course. Who captured the then? doc. Doctor, I don't know where he's from, but yeah. he he um, he captures the Doctor as a hologram, and he's a baddie. But he, uh, you don't realise he's a baddie until the halfway okay. through. It, all the other cast were playing monsters, and I got to play. Yeah. I had a big laser glove great. that I could destroy people with. Oh, it was great! Um, <laughs> absolutely loved doing that. And I met um, Murray Gold, who wrote the music. Yeah, um, I got to do dialogue with Matt Smith. Oh, yeah. Um, he'd already pre-recorded, so I had to time myself yeah. exactly <laughs> with Matt. Um, and I got quite into the whole Doctor Who thing, you know, yeah. the ethic of it. Yeah. And so I, I wrote a story that I thought would be great, not really um, taking into account how much Doctor Who's become in many different ages and there's, mm. there's big, long relationships yeah. between... Various characters who return and all yeah. of that. I, ju I just wrote a, a story. story that I like. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they looked at it. I got quite a nice reader's report back saying, sure. you know, um, nice try. Wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it wasn't it, it wasn't totally dismissive. It was kind of, oh, this is this is this all works, but it's not for us. Oh, okay. You know? But yeah. uh hmm. so I that... did get quite keen yeah. uh, uh, on the idea of writing those kind of stories. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Jeremiah Bourne came before that experience, but you obviously have a. a yeah, an Jeremiah Bourne's been time growing for a while. Yeah. Um, and I wrote some versions of the book, some versions, a couple of drafts, which weren't really working uh -huh. early on. Yeah. And then I was working for Big Finish, yeah. doing Doctor Who audios, was right. another contribution to my Doctor Who. Phase, yeah. um, which you've worked for, haven't you? Yeah. Big finish, great fun. Yeah. Um, and I was working for them, I think, on an HG Wells thing. Yes. And uh, I showed them the drafts, thinking, well, what do, I, what do I do with this? That it's not working as a book yet. And they uh, said, well, we'll do a four-hour dra dramatization of it, which is which also exists. Ah, okay. Um, but it's very different from the book. I see. Because to do a big finish, it's got kind of music and it's <laughs> it's fully cast. It's got a comedy cast. Yeah. But they went for the more uh, racing science fiction aspect. Yeah. Whereas the book that I've done is more of a comedy. It's like a Terry Pratchett-esque yeah. type thing uh -huh. where the, the, the characters are funnier in the book. Yeah. And also, the whole world of the future doesn't really exist in the in the audio oh, uh, dramatization. Yeah. So they're they're different products. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that was one of the most fun things I've ever done. Mm. Working with T 
Tim McInerney was in sure. it, Sophie Thompson, Chris yeah. Ryan, yeah. Celia Imry. We had just Great. the most incredible cast. Great. And I got to play the baddie. Yeah, always fun. Which was, yes, more fun. <laughs> Uh, take another question oh, from the lunchbox. Yeah. That's it. You Let's mean I'm see. not done? You're not done yet. Right, uh, we're right. getting value out of you today. Do you know I'm going to have to get the specs? I thought I printed them quite large. They are large, but not <laughs> there we are. Oh, right. This is from Tabitha Hoop. Oh, yes. Who mentions the Discworld books, actually, yeah. because I did all the audio. Yes. Audio books, mm -hmm. unabridged audios. But her question is, which one-time even cameo role has been your favourite to portray. Ah. I asked, thinking of roles along a similar vein to Death in Paradise or even the Prime Minister in MI High. Oh, yes, you did those, did you? I did, I've forgotten about yeah. the Prime Minister in MI High. Uh, I mean, talk, but talking of cameo roles, I came across you in uh, an episode of um, Sherlock Holmes, the Granada series, with oh, Jeremy yeah. Brett playing yeah. Inspector Hopkins, I think. Yeah, Jeremy Brett. I yeah. got to work with the great Jeremy Lucky Brett. You. And Charles Gray. Mm -hmm. Who everyone in the hotel said, "Oh, you're right, Sir Charles." They thought he was a knight because <laughs> he behaved like one. It was fantastic. Yes. So, um, which of those sort of uh, guest roles is uh, cool? Mm. I don't know. Um, I did enjoy doing Death in Paradise. Did you go to? I did go to Guadalupe. Guadalupe. Guadalupe, and it's um, it would be wrong to say that that was my favourite role, but it was my favourite <laughs> job. I can imagine because it's so wonderful. Gig, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a marvelous gig to do yeah. that. Um, cameo role, what cameo role? Um, do you know, I can't, I'm sorry, I've gone blank. It's That's very right. nice of yeah. Tabitha Hoop to mention Death in Paradise and the Prime Minister in MI High. Um, that'll do. Nice yeah, holiday in the sun on the beach and doing yeah, a bit of filming. Yeah, no, it's I mean, what I like to do is roles. It, it's sometimes you can read a script, you, you must feel the same. You say, I can't see myself in this, mm. but it's an offer, so I may do it or may not, mm. or whatever. And some roles come up, and you say, No, that's me. I can, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, there's that's nobody right. else who'd be more right than me. That's right. And they're quite rare. Yeah, and it doesn't matter then if they're a big role yeah. or a small role, yeah. it's just when the feeling's right. Yeah, and it's very difficult to define yeah. what, what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Fair enough. Let's just have one more from the box, okay, then, no, and then we'll move on with some more uh, Sorry, Tabitha, questions. Sorry, Tabitha, not to yeah, keep it. Some no, other right. incredibly mm -hmm. interesting thing to say. Um, Alex Pass said, which is the more challenging, either as an actor or writer, comedy or sci-fi? P.S. Will there be Jeremiah Bourne in Time Series 2? Oh. Um, so The um, answer to the P.S. is yeah. probably not Series 2, what I'm hoping to do is an audio book of this one, like an unabridged one that I'd read. Yeah. And there is a, this is the first of a trilogy. I've yeah. got the second one planned. Right. Uh, the third one, I'm, I'll see where I go. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to start on the second one shortly. Ah, you fantastic. Know, and write the second book. Yeah. Um, and how long would that take? How long were you allowing yourself? Well, the to first write? one took about ten years, yeah. so I'm hoping it'll be a bit quicker than that. <laughs> yeah. um, Keep them waiting. That's what I was yes, saying. Yes, <laughs> yes. Actually, to get a first draft of I don't know, five months, four months. Yeah. To get right. the first draft. Yeah. And then you keep doing drafts. Right. But, but each each new draft won't take that long. Sure. 
You know, as you know, you write a yeah, whole series indeed. of books. Yes. Don't you? yes. How long true. does it take you? Uh, I can write a book in three months. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. I have done over lockdown. I was doing so <laughs> not much else to do, yeah, frankly. Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's and how many do you then go back and redraft many yeah, times? I, yeah. Not many times. No, as few as I can get away with. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It always deserves a second book and perhaps a third book. I think. And you need some trusted. I was reading Stephen King's book yeah. on how he does it. He That's spends it. about four or five months. Yes. Then he won't do anything. For a while, right. Then he gives it to. He's got three friends, including I think his wife. Yeah. Who who he trusts to give yeah. feedback. Yeah. And then he'll do a whole other draft based on what they say, and a whole he does. He really doesn't. Uh-huh. It, it doesn't just come easy to Stephen sure, King. So sure. I, that gave me hope. Absolutely <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and, and the more challenging, either as an actor or as a writer, comedy. That's the actual question. Yeah. Uh, which we better answer. Yeah. Either as an actor or as a writer, comedy or sci-fi. Um, comedy is the the thing for me, um, and therefore, the book is a sci-fi book. But uh, doing both at once, is, sure, is the best thing. It, it, is the sci-fi almost incidental to the comedy, or the other way round? Would you say in that instance? I think, like with music and comedy, you try and make them hand in hand, uh-huh. so they don't upstage each other yeah so that they work in in tandem yeah i think that's the game yeah yeah uh, all for now for our viewers uh questions but uh i'd like to now move on to one of my favorite characters and i think last time we uh worked together i confessed as much to you and uh, i've got a clip to play for you which is um it's rather appropriate to uh what we find ourselves talking about now so um, just have a look at this Greetings from the fifth dimension. I come in peace, yes, but also in the interest of maintaining the very highest standards of performance. This masterclass is about the art, possibly the science, of sci-fi and outer space acting. I think it's generally accepted that acting is the hardest job in the world, but it's also the hardest job in a great many other worlds besides, and indeed whole galaxies not yet discovered. The sci-fi repertoire is simply vast, and it requires the performer to tackle anything from a Time Lord to a humorous robot to a blob of alien jelly. (laughs) All the more important, then, that you mine every line of text for the truth and really get under a character's skin. If you're lucky enough to have one, of course. When I played Gonarth in Riddle of the Thargans, of course, I I didn't. I had a a sort of scaly carapace with a a striped fur head and, and two tentacles here actually, which made every meal break a potential cosmic catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> now, Nigel, firstly, I love Nicholas Craig. Secondly, that rather hit home because I've been there. Yes. So I was in Space Precinct to Jerry Anderson's show, which is oh, yes. really why I'm here. Yes. And I often tell a story uh, about, uh, we were in prosthetic makeup, I was playing an alien police officer. Yeah. And of course, at lunch, we would have a tuna sandwich. Uh, and the the latex rubber would be falling away from our mouths by this point. So a little bit would fall down as it went. And then, of course, it would all be glued up after lunch to do the rest of the scenes in the afternoon. So that really hit home. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm a, a, a big pal of mine is Robert Llewellyn, who played yes. Crichton in, in Red Dwarf. Mm-hmm. And he used to tell me, because he's in latex yeah. throughout, yeah. just moaned about it. I don't blame him. Yeah. But they used to put him in the in the hot summer... They put him in the freezer at lunch break, and he didn't have that problem because he was only allowed liquids from a straw 
once he was in the latex, <laughs> that was it. So wow. he and and he couldn't socialise with the other. He was shoved in a freezer. You've forgotten that with yes. a with a milkshake. You know? <laughs> great, great. And uh, I think it was a pretty pretty tough job that one for him. <laughs> now, one of the things I've grown to love about Nicholas Craig is that he's aging with you and he's aging with us. And then you did the podcast uh, last yes. year. Yeah, that's right. That's, how close under the skin is he? Very close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very close. It, it's, uh, that's my favourite thing is to make it, you know, is not to be sent a script, and, but, but to sort of have a character that comes from your own flaws. Mm -hmm. And Neil was that from The Young Ones, mm -hmm. um, sort of based on my own experiences. Mm -hmm. And Nicholas Craig... I mean, been to drama school and everything, but it's also Nicholas Craig's a shared project with Christopher Douglas, yeah. who is the co-writer director. He's the he's the sort of genius behind it. Nice. Um, he plays Ed Reardon on the radio. Okay, yeah, and writes it. Yeah, and um, he had a, a, a theatrical upbringing. Both his parents and step parent all actors, and it was. You know, he left school early. He played the cheeky waiter in Crossroads when he was young. Um, <laughs> credit. He's done, you know, he, he, he and I both have uh, pasts, youths yeah. in, in theatre. So yeah. when we met, it was another one of those people we were talking about yeah. where you meet someone who's quite pivotal. Yeah. You think, no, this is this will click. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, we, we we found we shared the same sort of sense of humour. Yeah. Uh, Chris's sense of humour is even more cruel than mine, um, so it gets it gets <laughs> quite quite vicious at times. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, but lovely. I think I remember saying to you once that the, actually I wanted to grow up like and be Nicholas Craig when I well, was young and at drama school. <laughs> yes. And here I am sitting opposite <laughs> him. There you go. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> right. it, it it the the amount of taking oneself so seriously yeah. is what, and I was working while we were filming, I remember once we were filming Nicholas Craig and uh, uh, um, I was turning up uh, later out, you know, than the others, cause I had another job, an acting job. Yeah. And I'd come in moaning about the other job as all actors moan, yeah. that's, that's, you mm -hmm. know, the collective noun for actors is a whinge, <laughs> a whinge of actors. And, um, so I was having my normal lunch break winch and Chris is giggling, Christopher Douglas, because he's writing it down under the he's just perfect. Writing down what go. I said. That's and material putting it in the script. Yes. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Oh, now that sound, Nigel, means that it's time to present you with your quick fire five. I'm going right. to ask you five either or questions from right. the Jerry Anderson universe. Right. You need to quickly answer as quick as you can. Okay, right. you ready okay. for these? I'm ready, I'm right. ready. Firstly, you need a mode of transport. So do you take Sheriff Tex Tucker's talking horse, Rocky, or Lady Penelope's Fab One Rolls Royce? Fab One. Oh, right. Click off the mark. Who would you prefer to keep you company as you write the next Jeremiah Bourne book, Stingray's Aquamarina or Thunderbird's Brains? Brains, oh. even though it's tempting. Yes. I think you'd be more help. Fair enough. Uh, which moment of Jerry Anderson history would you love to witness for real? Humankind making contact with the Martians? Captain Scarlet, or the moon breaking away from Earth's orbit in space 1999? Uh, the former, the, the, the Martians. <laughs> the moon breaking away sounds a bit Very dramatic. Very dramatic, yeah. Uh, pick a thief to rehabilitate. Ruthless Ed Viney from Jeremiah Bourne in Time, or reformed bank robber and chauffeur to Lady Penelope, Aloysius 
Parker, my lady. I didn't know he was a bank robber. Yeah. Wow. I'll go for that one. You go for Parker. Yes, yes. Mm. Although Ed Viney in yes. Jeremiah Bourne is is a very funny villain. Sounds like a nasty piece of work. He is a nasty piece of work. He's almost incomprehensible. <laughs> his his cockney is so uh, yeah. thick. Great. That uh, Jeremiah has to keep stopping him and saying, "I'm sorry. What, what, what did you say? You sound like you're from the movies or something." <laughs> Lovely. And finally, you have to choose a colour from the Dulux paint range and become a Spectrum agent from Captain Scarlet. So, are you Captain Frosted Dawn or <laughs> Lieutenant Sandy Steps? Oh, Sandy Steps. I can see. I knew you were yeah, going to say come that. On. Well done, Nigel. That's your quick fire for hire. <laughs> now. Uh, just before we go, it's uh, just time for you to say uh, where we can get uh, Jeremiah Born in Time, the, the book, which has been out for three or four weeks. Where can we find that? Um, you can find it in bookshops. Um, I always go these days, you can get it in Amazon, same as no, but these days there's something called hive.co.uk mm -hmm. or hive.com. No, mm -hmm. hive.co.uk or bookshop.org. Okay. And those are like Amazon, you can order online. But the good thing is they're connected up to all the local bookshops, so you can choose your own local bookshop, right, and, right. and you're not putting bookshops out of business. Yeah. So I'd suggest Hive okay. or bookshop.org. Brilliant. Uh, uh, yeah. Just a better way of ordering online, Absolutely. personally. And finally, where can our viewers and listeners find you online? Do you have any social media that we can follow you at? Ooh, I've got a website, yeah. nigelplainer.co.uk, mm -hmm. um, which I try and keep up to date with news. Yeah. I'm on... X. Oh yes, as it is now. It's called Are X now, it isn't it? but it's still got. I mean, still does that mean we X? I don't know. I just tweeted. No, yeah. I didn't tweet. I X. Sure. It doesn't sound right, no, does it? No, really. Anyway, so I'm on that Nigel Planer one. Okay. I do have an Instagram, Nigel Planer one, but I think the last time I put a thing up there was about three years ago. <laughs> um, Great. And apart from that, there is a Facebook, the official Nigel Planer Facebook page. Mm -hmm which is run by a, a, a guy called Ben, Ben yep. Hill. Yep. Um, and he shoves everything in there, particularly to do with bad news, because he's a big ah. bad news fan. Great. And I've also got recently, uh, I'm on Patreon. Oh, yes. I meant to mention and that. Yes. That's, it's really cool, that, because I found all of my archive of bits and pieces, some never broadcast, yeah. Anything I've ever done virtually, yeah. and I converted it from CDs and and videos digitally. Yeah. I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, I, I got had it, it done. Yeah. Had it done yeah. uh, digitally, and I'm putting it all up on um, on um, my Patreon account mm -hmm. uh, gradually. Mm -hmm. Each week, I try and remember to put some some new piece up. Yeah, right. and if you're a big Nicholas Craig fan, I've got a YouTube channel where I've put most of Nicholas Craig's on the YouTube channel as well. Right. But there's some never broadcast bits of Nicholas Craig right. on my Patreon account. Great. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, for thank next for week, we're me. going to be talking about uh, bad news and comic strip and young ones, of course, and other parts of your illustrious career. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Will you come back to Slough again next week and uh, sit opposite me on the table? I again? think I can manage that, yes. Don't forget to pat Station Jim on the head as you pass um, Look out for Station Jim. Right. Thanks so much for joining us. Nigel Plainer, everybody. Thank you very much. Oh, I mean, I have to say, what a thrill to have Nigel Plainer on the podcast. Quite the coup. Quite the coup, I know. How did you manage that? Well, worked with him, oh boy. 
Oh, I see. A couple of times as it happens. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, and interesting, he was talking there in the first part of his interview, second part next week, of course. Mm. He was quite surprised by quite how much was buried in that uh, the brain of his, the old memory, the old noggin, yeah. old Jerry Anderson memories that he didn't even knew he had. People often are, aren't they? Yeah. And it's only once they start yeah. imagining themselves, watching it, or start picking and pulling at threads. Yes, exactly. They'll suddenly reveal a whole extra bit. Indeed. But I have to say, quite a disappointing result on the old... Only six! ...super identification. Wow, Nigel. It's a shame, isn't it? I mean, he let himself down. Feels like less of a coup suddenly, doesn't it? <laughs> it does rather. Now, but talking of coups, yeah. would you like to go to Facebook? Crew, coop, group, coop, coop, coup, yes. <laughs> talking of coups, <laughs> perhaps. No, I'll, I'll get it. Don't worry. Talking of coups, perhaps you will say coup when you hear some of our Facebook messages from our wonderful Podstrons. I almost certainly will say right. that. Uh, now, firstly, Daniel Ross Dudley yes. commented, is anyone else hoping from uh, with Anderson Entertainment picking up distribution rights to Space Patrol that they might get the rights to Jerry's back catalogue from Four Feather Falls all the way up to New Captain Scarlet? Pretty, pretty please. Cool. <laughs> there you go. Told you. you what, what, a, what a Facebook message. Yeah. Um, Possible? Impossible. Well, I'm glad that you've noticed that we've picked up the rights to Space Patrol. Yes. That was a very lovely conversation with Roberta Lee's son, ah. uh, where we both agreed that uh, both Dad and his mum would yeah. disapprove of this, right. which was the best reason to do it. Let's do it then. <laughs> How funny. Really. Yeah. But really. It's, it's kind of lovely that, you know, you yeah. kind of... They weren't that fond of each other. Yeah. Uh, so to bring it all under the same roof feels like the right thing to do. What's the lovely quote of hers from uh, from Life Uncharted of your dad? Oh, um, evil, evil man. That's was that it. the one? Yeah. I mean, there were actually quite a lot in those rushes of uh, saying not very nice things. But yeah. Uh, yeah. anyway, we let bygones be bygones, don't yeah. we? Uh, so we are taking back the catalogue items that were ours anyway. Right. Which includes New Captain Scarlet. Yes. And a few other titles. And yeah. we'll be uh, reversioning those and putting those out very, very soon. Um, I would love to do more because we want to just keep the availability there because, mm. you know, some people say, oh, DVD and Blu-rays in the winter of its life. Oh, I tell you but what, I though. Don't, I don't I, agree. Because you know what's happening? The streamers are taking lots of content offline. Yep. Or they're changing it. Yes. So uh, physical media is actually the only way of being safe and having something that's yours forever. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, I, I do think it's going to take a few licenses to be pulled from a few major streaming services yeah. and people will lose access to their content to, yeah. for the for a bit of a, a resurgence in the world of physical media. Yeah. So, yes, I think there's more to come. Mm. We'd like to do more. Mm. Uh, and there's definitely some interesting stuff coming later in the year and early next year. Great. Mm. Excellent. That'll do. Next. Oh, Tabitha Hoop. Oh, yes. Uh, Tabitha says, Yesterday, I ended up having a friend round to introduce her to the worlds of Anderson, which I've talked to her so much about. Good. She's a good sport, bless. It was her idea, and one I'm sure she now regrets. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> oh, dear, Tabitha. It doesn't what? sound like you're doing a great job ambassadorially here, but let's see. Yeah. Um, it did give me a good excuse to crack out all my memorabilia, mm -hmm. uh, which included some new additions, 1992 Thunderbirds, that appeared on my shelf the other night after work. Okay. Mysteriously, perhaps. Wow. I think my dad might have been to one of his toy and train fairs. Oh, oh well, that's nice of him yes. to gift you something there, isn't it? Yes. Uh, although she would never watch them seriously... 
What? Just, is there any other way to watch them? I don't know. Oh. Uh, we both had a good laugh and an enjoyable day while also doing a very difficult Batman jigsaw. <laughs> right. Well, that's, sounds like a good There's the crossover right. we weren't expecting. <laughs> She's far from joining the fandom as I think casual viewing is enough for her. Uh, but we did both agree on a few things. Oh, yes. The music slaps. It doesn't it. Uh, uh, and, and she now understands why so many people buy the soundtracks. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. The future fashions are, shall we say, entertaining. <laughs> yeah, we could say that. Uh, it's a mighty shame that I do not have a Thunderbirds jigsaw. Right. Yes, indeed. You, I mean, you could remedy that, surely. Uh, easily remedied. Yeah. Replace that Batman one. Yeah. Um, and that we should do it again. Oh. So perhaps a, a, a repeat episode for Tabitha and yeah. her casual viewing <laughs> casual Anderson. Casual viewing Anderson. Yeah, that's, I like that. That's good. Uh, Andrew Clements uh, wrote, <laughs> I was watching NCIS last night. One of the victims was a Jamie Anderson. <laughs> Anyone care to speculate? To which Paul Hyder responded, I'd question Richard James. I would as well. And well what could I'm... I possibly stand to gain from that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I'd get to sit in that seat, wouldn't I? You could. And I have Captain Scarlet behind me. You could have my, my Issa Palo mm. shirt. Yeah. No? No, I'm happy with this. It's fine. <clears throat> okay, fine. Well, I'm glad I only read that after I came back from San Diego. Yes, uh, that's right. And you landed safely. Yes. So thank you, uh, AZ, <laughs> for that. Um, I've got one from Ian Stevens. Oh, yeah. Have to say, mm. I love the fact that we can now watch the podcast. Ah. Thanks, Ian. Us too. Great. I was worried what the change was going to be, especially given how essential the podcast is to me. Ah. But I should not have worried. The change is superb. Ah. Seeing Jamie, Richard and Chris on screen is just wonderful. Ah, lovely. He's lying now, yeah. but there we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, the titles are excellent too. Yes, they are. Well done, Chris T. We love those. Uh, well done, chaps. I shall look forward to watching more and I can confirm that I have subscribed and clicked on the bell icon. Oh, good. Uh, also, it was quite lovely to see Lee Sullivan on screen as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Lee Sullivan's right. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's great, isn't it? It's I nice. understand what he, I think a few people were worried that we were changing things, you know, there was some, reason. There were some concerns. Yeah, there was some but they were unfounded. They were, because we were just doing the same old rubbish. Just Gubbins. on screen. Gubbins is yeah. the word. That's it. Uh, yes, if you're on Facebook, then you can just search for Jerry Anderson Podcast Official Listeners Group. We call them the Podstrons, and um, you can join in the fun there. Willow is uh, sort of our, our caretaker, really, in, in absentia, isn't she? Yes. In that we're not there to caretake. Yes. I think that's right. Uh, that's and, of right. course, there's the Potter's Arms. They have quizzes and get-togethers and meet-ups. And yeah, it's a super-friendly group. Even yeah. if you're like Tabitha's friend, who's yeah. only a sort of casual viewer, yeah. Yeah. you'll still be welcomed with open arms. It's true. That's right. Talking of welcoming things with open arms... <laughs> Yes. I think it's time that Chris Dale welcomed Nigel Planer this week's guest <gasps> yes. with open arms yes. to press the button on his randomizer. With one of his open arms. Well, that wouldn't work, would it? It'd have to be closed arms, surely. Well, let's see what happens. Oh, good idea. Good luck pressing it. Over to you, Chris. Hello there. How do you right. do? What's this? I'm sure you are aware of this. You must have heard of the legends. This is the randomizer. In here, we have every single Jerry Anderson television episode and feature film ever made. Every week, I get someone to come in and press the button. We'll get an episode from me right. to watch and comment on. This week, I'd like you to press the button, if you would please. You have to be careful shaking it about. Well, it is, it it's been broken, smashed, thrown into right. black holes. It keeps so coming So tell back. me the button. Which button? Any button. This seems to be the preferred one, but... They will right, OK. Are so, you ready? Yeah, fingers crossed. Thank you. Any particular series you're hoping you might get an episode from today? Well, something that I can remember Something that you good, can remember. Yes. That would be fantastic. Would be well, it now seems that we have an episode from... Ah. Right. Now, here's what we're going to do. Right. You're going to come back next week and you're going to have another go. What's wrong uh, with this one? This one... 
this one, yes. this is an episode of Torchy the Battery Boy. Ah, I can well, remember you that. You can remember that. I can oh, well, remember then you the should be watching this instead of Torchy. me. That's the one. I can one. remember that. Yes, because yeah, yeah. I wish you were here to no, do this No, we're okay with Torchy. Yes, Paul, if you're okay. Yeah. I'm not okay. I think the viewers at home might be okay, though. Right. But um, regardless, I think you've, you've done your duty here for today. So if I'm done, am I? You're I done, can go. yes. You can go and stand in the right, corner okay. for a week. Oh, I don't know. Oh dear, I suppose it had to come. What tedious gobbit of plot have we got this week? What chunk of the Torchy saga can we possibly have left to cover? <sighs> Let's find out as we watch... Torchy is saved at last. Thank God. I was worried. I've been worried for the lad. <clears throat> Torchy and Mr. Bumbledrop were working yes. in the garden. Oh, okay. Torchy didn't come. Is Torchy in danger yet? This time. Annoyed? He was blown down by a big wind. Oh, okay. And the less said about that, the better. Pom Pom would fly down in my rocket and take me back to Topsy Turvyland. Maybe oh, Torchy sounds very aggressive already this week. Then why don't they send another toy? They know the show is named after me, damn it! Clinker the money box, what's happening? Okay, yeah. Magic Talk beam to the... is so Wait, uh, what? Will I thought the beam was used to search for things. On dear old clinker, the money box. The Scottish money box, by the way. I, th I didn't realise it was a communication device. See, the more we learn, the less I know when it comes to Torchy. It's brighter. It'll shine all the way up to the twinkling star. Hmm. I wonder who'd win in a in a a beam off between between Torchy and the Hood's eyes. The ah. pile of money in Fruit Town is getting rather small, so I want to see. That's because I've been eating it, because I do that, don't I? Oh no. Oh, what's that light in my eyes? Oh, that's Torchy, of course. Torchy's magic beam. Which we're just now. Why is it settling on my crotch? <laughs> what's going on? I thought somebody would do something for me. Oh. Haven't they arrived yet? Oh no, have they been lost? I have to ask my magic beam what's happened to them. Goodbye, they... Clinker. Oh. Goodbye. <laughs> I hope that's the only contact I have with you this week. So, it sounds like the rocket was on its way and it's been diverted. Hmm. So, dancing beam shine round and round. And this is where we find it's been pulled into a black sun or some other kind of, of Space 1999 space anomaly. Where could it be? Where's your beam shining to this time, Torchy? Oh, only to the seventh level of hell, Bumbledrop, old chap. But you can't see the moon during the day. I can. So shut up. It is magic, isn't it? Oh, yes. And I can see ah. the made of cheese. <laughs> uh, Torchy, I think your battery might be running down, if that's what you're seeing. You're hallucinating, old chap. Oh, what is that? Funny smell it must have. Yes. Cheddar cheese grass. Of course. And a cream yes. cheese pond. Oh. I'm going to go inside the windmill and see who's there. Yes. Oh no! King Dithers and the Pelican <laughs> Bird are lying why? in bed. Why? Is, why? Don't take up so much room, Your Majesty. <laughs> oh, that's what. Okay. That's not uh, what you were saying last night. Right, it's Pollycam. 
Oh, dear. Why are they in bed together? <laughs> what a lovely sleep I've had. <laughs> what is happening? Oh, wake up, bird. It's morning already. And Where's the moon the man for all of this? <laughs> Unless there was some kind of, um, you know, uh, three-way arrangement, shall we say. I had to shine extra brightly. Now get out of bed. I want to go to sleep. I never knew there was a real man in the moon. I thought you did, because I'm fairly sure we covered that episode. And I never knew that King Dithers was having an affair with the Birdman. The sun is shining in my eyes. Oh it's all your fault, King Dithers. I told <laughs> you, you invented the sun, apparently. The night and not during the day. Yes, <laughs> I know that. Hmm. But he's King, King Dithers. He gets mixed up. Night, the moon won't come out. <laughs> no? And you've got to have a moon. <laughs> you have. <laughs> Don't you remember? I never cease to be amazed by this show's capacity to throw new and unsettling characters at me. I don't believe I've been introduced to the, the bird-like gentleman who's going, Put them on, and then no matter how brightly the sun shines during the day, you'll be able to go to sleep in the dark. Okay. <laughs> well, all this hysterical laughter aside, I do hope Torchy is saved soon from this terrible situation that we find himself in. Find him in, even. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Look! Ah! Uh, <laughs> okay, that is genuinely quite funny. Um, insert name of whatever pop star you think he looks like here. It's black, black, Well, it shouldn't be. It should be a bit further up your, uh, your nose there, old chap. Now you'll be able to go to sleep. <laughs> And uh, we all find another bed somewhere to continue doing whatever it was we were doing. Good night. So, good night, Moon. This very stylish jacket. I've just noticed that. Come on, Your Majesty. Let's go to our rocket and fly down to Earth to get Torchy. Uh-huh. Why did you stop? You, so you basically stopped for a nap. I think it's been established in previous episodes that the distance between Topsy-Turvy Land and Earth is not that far, so they really shouldn't have, have had to stop off up the moon. But when they come down to Earth, they're ordinary. Oh, that's right. I was forgetting the premise of the series, Torchy. I'm afraid so. Well, you'll have to come back to Topsy-Turvy Land. I wish you would. Yes, this is, this is a series-long arc. They were always threatening for Bumbledrop to go back to Topsy-Turvy Land. And he never did until the final episode. That's a good idea. But she's been good for a long, long time. So you can take her up to the Twinkling Star and give her a big party. Goody, goody. Yes, I'm sure the other toys would enjoy doing that for her. Boots was being naughty again. Oh, no. She'd been in bed for a week with a cold and a cough. Well, she should be strung up for that. Oh, yes, here's her mother. Oh, Mummy. Have oh, Mummy. Temperature again. Yes, I have. Hmm. Now, keep it there until I come back. I just go to the cupboard and get your medicine and cough sweet. Okay. Ugh. You know, I've had to see a lot of disc... Away! Away! I, I, I can't understand why Bossy Boots has such a high temperature. Yes, she away. She seems all right, and she's eating just as well as ever. Hmm. It's 
very strange. Okay, bye bye. Yeah, that was quite a. I, I'm used to unpleasant human characters in this show, but. On my hot water bottle. Aren't I clever? Well, either you're very clever or your mother's very stupid. And I'll take it into my little darling. I would say the latter. Oh, but I can hear Mummy coming back. So I better put the thermometer in my mouth again. Hmm. I, I'll put your medicine in a glass so oh. you drink it all up. A whole jar of medicine. Mummy. Oh, oh, I'd forgotten. I'll go and fetch them. What? Sweets? Aunt Mummy's. <laughs> oh, Bossy Boots, you were doing so well. You were on the road to recovery. We were going to throw you a party, but alas, you're being naughty again. Um, so presumably she's doing this to get out of school. I'd love to know what school is like in the world of, of Topsy-Turvy, well, not just Topsy-Turvyland, but Roberta Lee. Um, must be a very, very... Pleasant from the outside and yet deeply strict and sinister on the inside. I love taking them because they taste like black currants. Oh, and you've eaten two tins in three days. Well, oh. I don't think you should have any more, darling, no. because you haven't got a cough now. Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> so she's just lying in bed eating tinned oh, sweets. Darling. Your cough seems to have come back. I, I leave the tin here and you can help yourself. Oh, what fun it is to stay in bed. Doing absolutely nothing. I don't even have a TV. <gasps> oh, no. There he is. Good gracious. I'm here to teach you the meaning of sin, bossy boots. with me because Mr. Bumbledrop said you were a good girl and all the toys were going to give a party for you. Mom! Mom! The toys are alive again! Oh, she is calling for her as well. Oh. Of course you can't have your clothes. Oh, okay. So her mum's just going to go along with it. And a bad cough. And you must stay in bed. And I'm cooking your clothes by the look of it. I haven't got a temperature and I haven't got a cough. Of course you have. I took your temperature myself and I heard you coughing. Oh, dear. What can I do, Torchy? Yeah, we're only a few minutes from the end of this. I'm still waiting for Torchy to get himself into some kind of bother that he needs to be saved from. But I want to go to Topsy Turvy Land oh. and have a party. I wouldn't take you now. You better behave yourself and. <laughs> you probably would take her and teach her another lesson. That's what when you enjoy Torchy the most. When got back to Mr. Bumbledrop's garden, mm -hmm. he saw that the rocket had landed. Well. Oh, how wonderful! I'll no, just go on and lecture them for keeping me waiting. Oh, dear. They're dead again. The King Dithers and Pollycon are ordinary toys now. Oh, dear. How funny. <laughs> How funny that I'm the only one of my friends who enjoys sentience. Oh, what fun. It's not fun. That is actually quite disturbing, seeing them slumped over the controls like that. Oh dear, how sad. Never mind, Torchy. Pillow and sleep on the floor. Are you sure you'll be all right? Uh, perfectly. Oh. Uh, okay. How lovely to be going back home again. Oh. Oh, I'm alive again. Uh. Oh. 
Um, okay. Because you were very rude to me before. Well, granted, well deserved. What are you going to do to him? Yes. Oh, oh. Oh, this has taken a turn. I'm enjoying this now. Okay, right. Well, sudden violence against Torchy. I, I'm here for this. Uh, very unexpected. Um, don't look at us, please. Yeah, this show rarely actually calls Torchy out for being uh, for being a nasty piece of work. There are sunglasses. There are sunglasses, man in the moon. <laughs> What's going on now? Ah, uh, okay. Well, that's that over with. Um, like uh, a rotting tooth being pulled out by the dentist, we're down another one. That was Torchy is saved at last. I have to question the title. I was, you know, I was expecting at least, I don't know, for him to be plucked from the, the jaws of an alligator or something. What was he, what did he need to be saved from? So, uh, on the whole, more Torchy um, stuff. It's kind of like what you'd get if you threw, you know, asked an AI to generate a Torchy episode. It was just bits of stuff we're familiar with. Uh, Bossy Boots is naughty, but we're going to throw a party and then we're not. Um, Torchy is now on his way back to Topsy-Turvy Land. God knows why he came here in the first place. And it all ends with, well, the rather um, trippy visual of the moon wearing sunglasses. That was a bit weird. But also some unprovoked but long overdue violence against Torchy. Um, so, yeah, worth it for the last two minutes. More like that, please. Well, I, I mean, Chris was, um, he did sterling work there, didn't he? He did. Well done, Nigel, for torturing Chris. Chris. <laughs> we love it, don't we? Uh, yes, uh, yes, I mean, it's always fun to see torture. At least he's got them out of the way, isn't it? It's another one done. That's what I always Is that think. fun? I think it's interesting to see, in hindsight, what we know as the Jerry Anderson genre, where that came from. Yes. Where it started. Yes. What the origins were. Yes. How it changed. Yes. Developed. Yes. Improved. Yes. Good, I agree. But my favourite thing is the fact that we can now actually watch Chris yeah. as his face contorts while yeah. having to watch torching. Yeah, he wasn't very happy, was he? No. no. Uh, that's all for now. But remember, Chris will be back next week. Uh, yeah, he will be, but so will we. Oh, yes, I and will so be here too. And so will Nigel Planer. Yes, let's get the gang back together. Okay, And fine. do the show right here. Yeah. All right, then, if you insist. That'll be pod 269 of the Jerry Anderson podcast. Gosh. So if you're not doing anything else, if you don't have anything better planned, perhaps you could join us. Well, when you say it like that, unless they've got every minute of their lives for the next mm. week planned, mm. Mm. then they can make time for it. I think they can, yes, that's exactly Good. what I'm saying. Great. All right. Then we'll see you in 269. See you then. Bye. Goodbye. I had a breakfast on the Monday morning. Not the food. Which was actually... Oh, go I, on. I had the, the main meal, yes. which was a corned beef hash, 
right. two, two fried eggs, yes. three buttermilk pancakes, and then I had sides yeah. of... Sorry, thick, is this breakfast? Yeah. Thick-cut bacon, yeah. sausage patties, yeah. orange juice, yeah. coffee. Right. How long were you there? What, in that mm. restaurant that no, morning? No, I mean, overall, how long were you in San Diego? Five days. Did you have that breakfast every day? Three of the days. Three of the days. I know. Yeah. It was amazing. But, I, I, yeah, that's... That's why I only had a salad for lunch today, you see. Did you have to have a 10-metre exclusion zone around you for the rest of the day? <laughs> I should have that at all times. And what did you, were you on panels? or? Yes, I had a panel for mm-hmm. a completely non-Anderson thing. Oh, yes. Uh, and then hovered around, you know, rubbing shoulders with all sorts of interesting people, oh. writers and that sort yeah. of thing. Obviously, no, uh, most of the uh, actors were not there. Hmm. And most of the writers were not there. But of lots course. of kind of animation kids right. and, and non-US writers. It was really right. fascinating. I hope you mentioned the podcast. Of course. Copious time. I had the leaflets with me. <laughs> Did I, you? I heavily leafleted San Diego <laughs> Comic-Con. Excellent. Right, that's probably added another couple of viewers to them. Tell list. you what, yes. why don't we go for next year, right. Jerry Anderson Podcast live at San Diego Comic-Con. It's something to aim for, isn't it? Do we need a Kickstarter for this? No, there's no Kickstarter. That's what, we, that's what we're going right. to do. All right. Okay. You heard it here first, Podstrons. Wow. All right. Let's go and start working on that. I look forward to the breakfast. <laughs> That was an Anderson Entertainment production.